Let's get in the Word this morning. Go ahead and find Matthew chapter 4 as we are going to wrap up this series that we uh, started a few weeks ago about fighting temptation. And the best example to look at on how to fight temptation is the one who went toe-to-toe and face-to-face with the tempter himself, and that's Jesus. And that's, we find that in Matthew chapter 4. Last week, we looked at verses 5 through 7, and we talked about uh, what really was the temptation of self-preservation. The fact that we are tempted sometimes to guard our own lives by testing God. And what Jesus was faced with and what we're often faced with is the temptation to try to force the hand of God to prove something of himself or something that he said in his word. And you say, well, when do I do that? We often do that when we place conditions on our belief, conditions on our our obedience, when we say things to God like, God, if you'll do this, then I will respond in this way. Testing God, testing to see if what he says about himself in his word is really true, testing to see if the promises that he's made to us really will come true by creating some sort of scenario and trying to force him to respond. And Jesus refused to do that. And the way we keep from doing that in our lives is that we, we remember, we look at the past. We see the faithfulness of God in the scriptures. We see the faithfulness of God in our own lives in the past. And we see when he's come through. He's proven already that he fulfills his promises, that he is faithful. There is no need to test his faithfulness. It is there. It is part of who he is. And then we also, because we know the past, we look forward to the future, don't we? Because there are promises that he's made already that that we've not seen fulfilled yet. And that's where our hope is when we sing all our hopes in Jesus. There there are promises to come. And so we know we can have confidence in those and we don't have to test God. We don't have to play silly games with him. So today we're going to look at the last and final of the three temptations that Satan uh, presented to Jesus. And Jesus faced them and defeated them all. Um, But this one... Uh, is probably the the biggest of them all. So look, we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 8 today. So looking at verse 8, Matthew writes, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him, serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. So in these verses, we see Satan making one last ditch desperation effort uh, to try to appeal to the humanity of Jesus. And remember, Jesus is in the wilderness, 100% God, but 100% human as well. And Satan is trying to appeal to the humanity of Jesus, and he's trying to break the obedience of Jesus to the Father. And I want you to see there, there are so many ways that all three of these temptations are linked together. But as we see this last one, in the first tempting... Satan said to Jesus, you should do something for yourself. 
right? He presented something to him with the bread and he said, you should do this for yourself. With the second temptation, Satan said, God should do this for you, okay? So the first temptation was to try to meet our own need, Jesus meet his own need. The second one was to try to force God to meet one of his needs. But the third temptation is Satan saying, I can give you what you want. You see the progression there? Meet the need for yourself. Test God to see if he will meet the need. And then his last effort and his last appeal to Jesus was, hey, I can do it. I can give you what you want, and I will. So the first two temptations really set up this third one. So I want us to look at them in detail. Let's look at verses 8 and 9 and review those again. It says, again, third time, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me Matthew says he was taken to a very high mountain now nobody knows the location nobody knows where this mountain would be but the main point is that he took him to a place and showed him something that was beyond a physical view like some of you what's the what's the thing about Rock City right you're supposed to be able to go to Rock City and get on the top and be able to see so many states what what Satan presented to Jesus somehow was a supernatural vision of what Matthew says was all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And you think about all of the great kingdoms. It would have been Egypt. It would have been Rome. It would have been Palestine. All of of these areas, all of this together. And he showed him all of the, the glory and the splendor of all of these kingdoms. Did anybody notice what Satan doesn't say on this third temptation that he said in the previous two? He began the previous two temptations by saying, if you are the son of God. He doesn't do that this time. And and partially I believe that's because Jesus had already shown his commitment to obey the father. These first two temptations were disobedience, were, hey, here's here's something that you can do disobedient to the father and Jesus has already established that his his priority was to obey the father and so Satan takes a little different approach with this one and it may seem that Satan is offering something to Jesus that Jesus already has because Jesus knows that he's the son of God Satan knows that he's the son of God but when he offers him all the kingdoms of the world doesn't Jesus already have right to those things Because he's the son of God. It's not in the account, but because Satan used scripture at times to to provoke Jesus or to try to persuade Jesus in temptation. I thought about Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8. Maybe Satan may have reminded Jesus of this psalm, but it's not in Matthew's account. But verses 7 and 8 in Psalm 2 says, I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. 
I can hear Satan saying things like this. Your father's already promised you all of these kingdoms. Like they're, they're yours. You, you have the right to them. Why should you wait around to take hold of what God has already said he's going to give to you? You're enduring this suffering. You're enduring this, this hunger and this separation and this isolation from people. You know, you don't have to endure that anymore. Just let me give it to you because God has already said it's yours anyway. You don't have to wait. You can have it right now. And I can, I can give it to you. And I wonder if Satan said, wow, think of what you could do. Think of the good you could do, Jesus, if I just... If you just let me give you what God's already said is yours and you take it right now. You think about the Jews and, and the Romans. Like what were the Jews hoping for? They were hoping for Messiah to, to do what? To come and, and free them from the Romans. Maybe Satan was like, you know what? You could rescue your people right now. I could give you power over all of it. And the Father's already promised it to you, so just go ahead and take it. So why would this have appealed to Jesus' flesh? Now remember, we're talking about how he appeals to our humanity, or flesh. Jesus was deprived in this moment. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was tired, physically exhausted. Satan offered glory with no more suffering, Right? Satan was basically saying, look, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to endure this anymore. Just, just do this and it'll all be over. That can sound appealing, doesn't it? When we're going through times of difficulty and suffering and endurance, the opportunity set before us to just make it all go away, it's pretty tempting. Jesus was alone. Isolated from people, Satan offered significance to him. To, he offered him fame. When we feel isolated, when we feel alone, separated, like nobody sees us, nobody knows who we are. The temptation of significance, fame, somebody noticing us. That's tempting. Jesus was waiting for the plan of the Father, and Satan offered him instant results. You can have what God's already promised you, and you can have it right now. Don't we live in a society that craves instant results? Don't we want things just to happen? We're not good at waiting. And then Jesus was being submissive to the Father, and Satan offered him power to do what he wanted. This is, you, don't, you don't have to submit to the Father. We can, we can just bypass, right? We can bypass all of this other stuff and just get to the end because the end, even if it's good and even if it's right, Satan wasn't proposing that Jesus do something horrible. He was actually proposing to Jesus, I can give you this power and you can do all the good that, that the Father wants you to do and you can start it right now. You're going to rule over all these kingdoms anyway. Why not start right now? Let me help you. It sounds enticing, but then there's a really important word in that last sentence, and it's that word, if. Satan has a lot to present. 
to us. Satan has a lot to offer. But there's always an if. There's always a condition. If you do this one thing, if you will fall down and worship me. Now many suggest that Satan was not implying that Jesus should worship him forever or even worship him for an extended amount of time. It seems that what Satan is saying is, look, all I want you to do is just bow down one time, just once, worship me, give me glory, then I'll give you all this, and then you can go back to doing what you do with the Father. You can go back to following his plan if you want to. You can take everything that I give you and you can do whatever good you want to do with it. But come on, just one time, let me see you do it. Jesus, again, he sees through the lies of the deceiver. Can you see already in, in thinking about this temptation how he does that with you? How he does that with us. You realize that sometimes Satan will use what is true to drag us into a lie. And sometimes he will use what, what is good. The idea of what is good to cause us to break our obedience and trust in the Father. It's not always dark, scary evil. Sometimes it's... Is temptation that Satan puts before us that looks good. It's a means to a good end. But it's not what God desires. So Jesus sees through this and he replies to him in verse 10. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan. Your Bible may say, you know, get away. Very, it's, it's a strong declarative statement. It was a command. Get out of here. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This is, this is the strongest rebuke of Jesus in this encounter. Stronger than any of the others. You can almost hear the disgust in Jesus' voice. Because he sees through all of that, all of that fake bait. He sees through the bait that, that Satan is using to try to tempt him. Which all looks good, right? It looks like the end... It's good, but Jesus sees through it to the consequence of what would happen if he made what, what Satan was presenting to be a minimal compromise, a very, very small thing. If you just do this one thing, I can give you all this. So when Jesus says, and he quotes, worship the Lord your God and serve only him, he's speaking of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I want to take you there. You remember Jesus in all three of these, he is always quoting from either Deuteronomy 6 or Deuteronomy 8. And so in this, he's looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. He doesn't quote it exactly as it's translated here, but it's the same thing. Deuteronomy 6, look at verses 12 through 14. These are Moses' instructions to Israel. Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Verse 13. Fear the Lord your God, worship him, and take your oaths in his name. That's what Jesus was referring to, that verse, verse 13. Verse 14, do not follow other gods, small g, the gods of the peoples around you. So Jesus, again, I think Jesus is meditating 
on Deuteronomy while he's there. He's, he's, you remember we said that he is like the fulfillment of what Israel couldn't do in the wilderness. They were tested in the wilderness and they failed. Jesus is tested in the wilderness and he is succeeding. But Jesus saw past the bait and he understood what the consequence would be if he were to do what Satan was asking him to do. It, if he were to do this one time, it would completely disqualify Jesus from being the perfect, sinless sacrifice for the sins of man. Do you realize that? If Jesus were to do this one time and live the rest of his life perfectly obedient to the Father, he can't be the Savior. Because he, his sacrifice would have been blemished. It would have been not whole. Even if Jesus sins only one time, his perfection dies. And his perfection as the sinless son of God dies with one compromise. And so he knows that's not an option. Because if Jesus were to bow, which is what Satan said, bow down and worship me. There are three things that we give away whenever we bow. To, to anything or any person in worship. And the first thing is allegiance. We are acknowledging allegiance to whatever we bow to. A sense of duty, a sense of loyalty, obligation. The second thing we give is superiority. We don't only ex express our duty and our loyalty to whatever we bow to, we are also acknowledging that what we are bowing to is superior to our inferiority. So we give allegiance to it. We, we proclaim whatever we bow to as being superior. And then the third thing is our dependence. When we bow to anything or anyone, we are saying to whatever that is, I need you. I am dependent on you to meet my needs. So Jesus knew Satan knew as well, but he was trying to treat Jesus. Jesus knew that if he were to even one time bow down before Satan, he would be giving all of these things to him rather than to the Father. And he remembers the words of Moses in Deuteronomy, the command of God, don't worship, don't give these things to anybody else besides me. That's the command of the Lord. And yet we see over and over Israel in their history and their story. What did they do over and over? They gave their allegiance to other gods. They, gave, they proclaimed other gods, idols, superior. And they put their dependence on all of these false gods. Um, in Exodus, you remember... When, when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the, the commandments from the Lord and the people, he wasn't coming back and the people got impatient and they went to Aaron. What they say? Make us a God that we, can, that we can worship. Moses is gone. We don't know when he's coming back. So he took all their gold and he made a golden calf. And after Aaron had done that and the people had done that and they began to, to give their allegiance to this idol that they had built, this, uh, their dependence 
on it, their superiority. They were basically saying what Moses and is, is receiving from the Lord isn't, isn't good enough. We want something that's, that's bigger than that in this moment. The Lord knew, and he's with Moses. Look in Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 and 8. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once. For your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. You see what they said about this thing that they had built? God says they have bowed down to it. Satan said, Jesus, just just bow down to me. And look at what they said of this, this image made out of gold and jewelry. These are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt? Like how, how deceived are they? How, how quickly have they forgotten who brought them out of Egypt? And now they're giving superiority, they're giving their dependence, and they're giving their allegiance to this thing that's not even real, that's their own creation. There's another thing that I think we should notice. You notice that Satan doesn't propose that Jesus worship him exclusively, but inclusively along with God. That's also an issue that Israel had. If we look in 2 Kings chapter 17, later in their history, this is what it says in verses 35 and 36. The Lord made a covenant with Jacob's descendants and commanded them, Do not fear other gods, little g. Do not, what? Bow in worship to them. Do not serve them. Do not sacrifice to them. Instead, fear the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm. You are to bow down to him and you are to sacrifice to him. It's not that Israel didn't worship God every once in a while. They were worshiping all these other gods along with the one true God. And you know what? I think that if Satan can, can get us to believe that that's okay, he's satisfied with that. If he can create a culture in, in our life where we can comfortably come and worship God, the one true God, We can read our Bibles, we can give our lives to him, but then at the same time, every once in a while, we can worship these other things. And he can fool us into thinking, you know what, that's that's okay. I know you love God, I know you worship Jesus, I know you want to obey him, that's fine. But you can do this too. That's not what the Lord said. God did not tell them, yeah, continue worshiping all your own little G gods. That's okay because I'm the big G. As long as you know I'm the big G, you can have all your little Gs. It's okay. No, 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 no. 
Jesus quickly rejects Satan's proposal and he accomplishes what, what Israel could not accomplish. I thought this was powerful, a quote from John MacArthur. Had Jesus given in, had Jesus succumbed to this temptation, MacArthur says, instead of redeeming the world, he would have joined the world. Instead of inheriting the world, he would have lost the world. The Christ would have played the Antichrist and the Lamb would have become the beast. That's what would have happened. That, that's how pivotal this moment was. Had his flesh succumbed to that, had his flesh decided, man, you're right, let's just skip this because Jesus knew what had to be done for the Father's will to be accomplished and what he was enduring right then in the wilderness was nothing compared to what he was going to have to endure down the road. And do you realize what Satan was doing was offering Jesus a bypass? Let's just skip to the end where you have control and power and rule over all the nations. Let's skip the cross. Let's skip the sacrifice. Let's skip all of that. We can just go around it and go straight to the end. What about us? I think if we were to, to think about being given this proposal we would say I would never do that I would never worship Satan I would never bow down to Satan that's crazy but I think we're more like Israel than than we are like Jesus here you say you would never bow down and worship Satan you don't have to you don't have to do that for him to win you don't have to do that for him to be satisfied he is satisfied with you making anything else your God besides God Anything. When Satan says to Jesus, bow down and worship me, Satan says to us, yeah, you can bow down and worship me if you want to, but if you don't, you can bow down and worship any of this other stuff. I'm good with that too. Jesus calls Satan in the Gospels the ruler of this world. Satan has power to give people what they want. He has a lot to offer. Matthew says he offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of the world for us could be the, 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 the world of business, the world of politics, the world of fame, the world of, of sports and athletics, the world of religion. I can give you that, Satan says. And don't think for a second Satan doesn't have the power to manipulate and give you the things that your flesh desires he puts the bait, the bait that he puts out before you is real. And if you take it, he, he can follow through. He can give you, he has the power to give you that as the ruler of this world for this time. He has that ability and that power. Under the sovereign rule of God, he has that power. But Jesus also in John 8, 44 said he's a liar. He is a liar and he's the father of lies. So I want us to go back and look at those three things that I said that we give away. Those are things that we give to God when we worship God. Those are, those are all three things that belong to God and God only. So I want us to look at those three things again and think about those things for our life. To whom or what am I giving my worship? And think about these three aspects. 
The first one is your allegiance. Do I have a stronger sense of obligation or duty to anyone or anything more than God? Well, that first one we have to ask ourselves, do I, have, do I let anything else in my life be a greater obligation than my faithfulness to God? Do I have a greater loyalty to anyone else or anything else in my life other than God? Am I, am I ever able to take my loyalty to something else and put it above my loyalty to God? Superiority. Is there anyone or anything that I give greater value, power, or authority to other than God? Is there anything that is a higher authority in my life than God's word, than what he says? Is he superior in all things, or is there ever a time when there's something that trumps him? And then dependence. Is there anyone or anything that I desire or have need of more than God? Anything, anyone. We have need for things, we have desire for things. And as we said before, many of those needs and desires God has put in us and he's created us for. But God has not created us to need anything more than we need him. So when I say to him, when I willingly see temptation... And I willingly turn away from him, even for a moment, and choose to indulge in whatever this temptation is. What I'm saying to him is, in this moment, I need this more than you. This is greater than you. And I'm, I'm more loyal to this right now than I am to you. We are, we are literally giving up all three of those things that belong to him. And we're giving it to whatever thing or person that we're being tempted by. You see that? I often think about it in terms of like your marriage. As scripture calls us the bride of Christ, he's the bridegroom. Like I, can't, I couldn't imagine turning to my wife and in full view, in her full view, saying, you know what, for right now I want this other woman more than I want you. And I'm going to go over here. I'm going to let you watch me. But I won't stay over here. I'll come back to you. But for this little while, I'm going to be over here because this is just what I want right now. Like, that makes me nauseous. I hope it makes you nauseous to think about that in those terms. Is that not what we are doing to God? Exactly. Whenever we see Satan's temptation and go, you know what, that's okay. That's okay for me to go for God will forgive me, right? If the answer is yes to any of those things, then we've got little gods in our lives. And if we have little gods, from time to time we are willing to take those little G gods and put them above the one true God. But you may say, I don't, I don't always do that. I mean, I don't, I don't always worship those other things. Sometimes, most of the time even, I, I really worship the, the true God. I desire to please him most of the time. I don't always run after those things. Maybe sometimes, but not all the time. Here's something I want you to remember. 
We shrink the greatness of God whenever we share what belongs only to him. In that moment in my life when I willingly turn away from him and I go after whatever little God there is in my life, I'm taking the greatness of the one true God whose size and glory and greatness can't be Uh, can't be compared to anything else and I'm shrinking him down and making him just like all the other little gods I can't do that for real God will not God will never be diminished by anything but but in my life that's what I'm doing I'm shrinking him down to something really small and putting him on the same level as all the other little gods in my life And it goes even farther. Actually, when I turn to those little gods and I begin to give my, my allegiance and my dependence and superiority in my life to these things, really what it comes down to is I'm, I'm making myself the object of my worship. I'm taking it away from God. And while I'm giving it to these other smaller things, what I'm really doing is giving it to myself. I'm making myself superior. I'm making myself um, the thing that I'm dependent the most on. And I'm giving myself my own loyalty. Like it's all about me. I think Jesus may have had this encounter with Satan in his mind in, in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You remember Satan was offering Jesus a bypass around the cross. You can can have what God promised you without taking up your cross, Jesus. But Jesus said, no, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Jesus, here's a picture, here's a view of the whole world and I can give it to you. All you have to do is worship me. Satan in the world can absolutely give you whatever you want. It can. Whatever you want, whatever appetite you have in any given moment Satan in the system of the world has what will satisfy that appetite and many times it will be fast it will be easy and there won't be any suffering or difficulty involved in it I'll just give it to you But the question we have to ask ourselves, is it worth, will it be worth what it costs? 
And the answer is always no.